tonight, and just for a few moments, we want to consider a very important part of the Lord's last week of his earthly ministry. We are um, taking these several weeks leading up to Easter to consider this portion of time when Jesus Christ entered into Jerusalem every day and then back to Bethany at night. This particular passage, if you follow the timeline, you'll know that this is very near the end of the week. Jesus has had confrontation with the scribes and Pharisees. They're actively looking for a way to kill him. And now he's finished his, um, his exchange for the day, and he sits down over against the treasury. Now, if you have in your mind a picture of what the temple looked like, the outer court of the temple, in that outer court, there were 13 trumpet-like uh, vases, each one for a certain part of the ministry of the temple. And people would come in there and put their gifts, their offering, their, either their temple tax or a gift for the temple in those trumpets. And Jesus was sitting down in that court watching people put their money into those, into those things. And, and here we are at, um, in the final days before the cross, really the final few days before the cross, and Jesus is sitting down watching people give their gifts. Now, the interesting thing to me is as he is sitting there, the Bible says in verse 43, he called unto him his disciples. For some reason, and there's only been about four times in all of Jesus' ministry that the Bible says he called to his, his disciples unto him for a special reason. But he wanted the disciples to be taught a very important lesson. And this lesson was being acted out in front of them by this little widow woman who the Bible says gave her two mites. Oh, my, yes. The power of God just fell upon me. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go to this microphone, and you can control it or not. All right. Uh, <clears throat> you always can tell when the PA room wakes up. You know, they, <laughs> things happen around here. Back, as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, uh, this little widow woman was giving two mites. Now, two mites is uh, just a fraction of a penny. I don't know what it would be in today's uh, money and today's currency, but it was a very, very small amount. And for Jesus now is calling his disciples unto him, fellas, I want you to see this. And he said, you see that little widow woman? She put those two little mites in that, in that offering. And he said, I want you to learn something about this. He says, that little widow woman actually gave more than everyone else. She gave more. And he's teaching us something about the significance of insignificant things. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'm an insignificant person. <laughs> you may work in a job, but probably in the wider scheme of things, it probably is an insignificant in, a, in the world scheme of things. They don't have tours that take tours by our houses and say, oh, that's where... That's where such and such live. They don't do that here. They might in Hollywood, but not here. Uh, we may have insignificant salaries. I mean, compared to what, you know, millionaires make, things like that. It, what I'm saying is, in a sense, m many of us, most of us, maybe all of us, live insignificant lives as far as the world is concerned. Now, I'm not saying that to depress you tonight. I'm just saying that's a fact. This little widow woman was a very insignificant person. And she gave a very insignificant amount of money. But Jesus has said that this widow woman has given all that she had, even all her living. And she says she has cast in more than they all. 
And I suggest to you that's very important for us to pay attention to. It's like Jesus says, little church, come over here. I want you to see something. I want you to see this little widow woman. I want to teach you a lesson about how important it is to do insignificant things. And I can tell you how they can become significant. You know, Jesus was very good at using insignificant things. We know actually back in the Old Testament, there was a little insignificant Jewish girl that told that Syrian general Naaman where he could be healed. Remember that? Remember that was uh, Jesus used that little boy uh, when he set him on his lap and taught his disciples how important what, what greatness really looked like. He said, this is what greatness looked like in the kingdom of heaven. And he took a little child and showed him that. It was a little boy's lunch, a little insignificant, five loaves and two fishes that fed that great multitude of people, 5,000 men plus women and children. What I'm saying is Jesus used insignificant things to do significant things. And I believe God, that's the key to what I want to say tonight. It was not that she had a lot of money. It's not that her money would do really a lot of good, but it was significant because she gave all that she had to the Lord. And so there's a lesson here for us tonight. And I pray God will help us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the great day you've given to us. It's been a wonderful thing to be in the house of God. We're in the midst of a turmoil in our country, and there's a lot of, a lot of confusion, a lot of fear, a lot of concern. And yet we have this privilege to draw together in your house with your people and be reminded of eternal things. Lord, help us, I pray tonight, even for these few moments, just to grasp this important truth of what really makes insignificant things significant in eternity. So we'll trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now notice if you would, first of all, the widow's two mites were insignificant. Uh, and the reason for that is, first of all, uh, I'm sorry, they were, I, I, I have to do my own outline. The widow's two mites were significant, first of all, because she did not consider her gift unnecessary. She did not have much to give, but she gave it. She didn't say, oh, well, what good is two bites? What good is two, two, uh, two little pieces of coin, two pieces of brass? What good will that do? She did not do that. She did not consider her gift unnecessary. Sometimes we feel like in our insignificance, there's just nothing we can do to make any difference to anybody. So why do anything? Well, that's not what this little widow woman thought. She thought to herself, I'm... I have, I want to give to the Lord what I have. And so she give, gave it to him. Secondly, she gave it to God. Now I want you to notice she had no strings attached. She gave it without reservation. Uh, she could have used it on herself. We don't know, but what she may have just earned that money the day before. That was all she had for whatever it was. And she purposed that she was going to give it. She could have used it for herself. She could have used it for friends. She could have, uh, uh, had done anything, but she gave it to the temple, which represented the work of God. And so, she, first of all, she gave it to God without reservation and without recognition. Now, that's important because at the same time she is given, the Bible says, verse 41, Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. Can you almost see what was happening there? A fellow comes up, he's got a bag of coins, and he kind of dumps it in those uh, containers and goes clang, 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 clang. Everybody looks over and say, oh, boy, there's a lot of money going in there. That's great. You know, keep it coming. And uh, that was going on at the same time this little woman, I can just see probably she walked over quietly, took little pieces out of her little purse and put it in there quietly. And probably nobody knows. But Jesus noticed because she was giving it to head. Now, she was giving it to God. But she gave it without recognition. The interesting thing Jesus was watching. Do you ever think about that? How did Jesus, how did, how did um, Peter know that Ananias and Sapphira had kept back part of the price? Well, I suggest to you that Jesus knew what the price was, 
And he told them, this is what, what this is what's going on. And so Peter, I think, uh, be inspiration, he said, this, this, is, uh, this is wrong. And that God does it. I suggest God knows what we give. And I think it's important to the Lord, not because he's, he's poor, but because it shows the condition of our heart. The Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. But she gave, what she gave was significant. Not only because she gave it to God, but because she gave all that she had. Now that's important. Verse 44 says that. Verse 44, she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Did you ever think about that? <clears throat> the Lord uh, said that she gave and all it said. So what was the percentage of what she gave? Give me a percentage. What, what was the percentage of what she gave? A hundred percent. Would you agree with that? Um, we don't know what the other people were giving, but Jesus seemed impressed with this little woman because she gave a hundred percent. Now, I'm, I, I think God works by percentages. How do I know that? Well, does he not tell us that uh, will a man rob God? How do you rob God? By the what? Tithe and offering. By keeping. Okay, what's a tithe? Ten percent. Uh, who set that up? God set that up. One tenth. That's ten percent. Okay, now here, here's an interesting thing to me. Um, if a millionaire gives ten percent of his million, let's just say that comes out to two thousand dollars a week. I don't know if it does or not, but I'm just throwing that out. And he puts that in the offering plate, and that'd make a good offering, wouldn't it? But then a teenager, he's worked a job this week, and he's, he's, he's earned about $20. So he's going to tithe his how much? $2. So the millionaire puts his 10% in, it's $2,000. And the teenager puts his 10% in, it's $2. Who gave more? Well, the Bible says they both gave the same amount. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because they both gave the same percent. And this little woman gave more than they all, Jesus said, because she gave 100%. I don't know what the others gave, but it was 100%. So Jesus is saying that percentage uh, takes everything. So God, in God's eyes, 10% is 10%. And it is interesting that the uh, that particular gift that woman gave is still being talked about. <laughs> you think about how important that gift was. How many people have been encouraged by that little widow woman's sacrifice to say, well, you know, if her little two mites were noticed by the Lord, then God must notice little insignificant things. I've told you before that probably my hero of the Old Testament is a lady, actually. She, uh, she's called the widow of Zarephath. We don't even know her name. All we know is she was a widow and she had a son and she lived at a time of great famine. And when Elijah needed food, God sent, God commanded that widow woman to feed Elijah. Then he sent Elijah to the widow woman. Remember, she was out gathering sticks. And as she was gathering sticks, uh, Elijah found her. He says, uh, uh, God told me to have, to have you feed me. But she said, well, I can't do that. She said, I've got to feed my son, and we, I'm making a little cake, and that's it, and then we're going to die. It's the end, last of our food, last of our meal. We can't do that. Elijah said, you make me a little cake first, and then, he says, then you can feed your son. You remember what uh, she did? She did exactly what God told her to do. He told her to feed Elijah. And so then God fed her for the next rest of that famine. I'm telling you, that encourages me. If that little widow woman could make that step of faith, if this little widow woman could take that step of faith, if they could do that, trusting their God to meet their needs, surely we can too. In other words, it's a matter of faith, trusting God to meet the needs. Certainly, she has influenced many others. I'm thinking of the little gal um, who 
anointed Jesus' feet, broke the alabaster bottle, anointed Jesus' feet. And the disciples said, oh, what a waste. That's such a terrible thing to waste all that money. We could have bought food for the poor with that money. Jesus said, leave her alone. He says, what she's done will be told for a memorial as long as the gospel is preached. Here's what I'm learning about people's sacrificial actions. God uses it to encourage other people to sacrifice. I, I get a great encouragement from my heart reading missionary biographies. I mean, people that have been serving the Lord years ago or even more recently. Why? Because their sacrifice motivates my sacrifice. It motivates me to live more for Jesus. And I believe that's what this little woman did. So the two mites she gave were significant because she has influenced countless others over the centuries. What I'm saying is Jesus is noticing insignificant people doing insignificant things. Now, some things are significant, which seem insignificant. Let me just give you several and then we'll be done. First of all, remind me tonight that suffering, though it may seem insignificant, may feel like no one notices, no one cares, is a very significant thing, our suffering. How do I know that? 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul says in Romans 8.18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Jesus said this in John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Suffering oftentimes has to be done behind the scenes without notice. Just like that little wheat has to go in the ground and be buried before it can bring forth fruit. If the grain of corn, if the little seed is not buried, it never does anything but become a little seed. It never grows. It never has fruit. And if it's necessary for you and I to go through a time of suffering in order for us to bring forth fruit, then that's the best thing for us. That's okay. I trust it may not be the case here, but I don't know. We may be facing a time of suffering in our country. We don't know what's going to happen, do we? But we understand that whatever God does, he does to bring forth fruit because that's what glorifies the Lord. Our suffering may seem insignificant, but it is significant when we're doing it, honoring the Lord. Let me give you a second thought, and that is our sacrifice is also suffering. Now, uh, in each one of these, you're going to see a verse. So put the verse up now, please, in Matthew 10, 42. There it goes, Matthew 10, 42. The Bible says, Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Hebrews 6 verse 10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. I'm going to talk about this matter of sacrifice. This little woman understood sacrifice, but sacrifice essentially giving what I could use for myself to, to accomplish the work of God, to help the work of God. It may be time and it may be money. It certainly is ourselves. Here's the key, here's the level, here's the standard of sacrifice in the New Testament, Romans 12.1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Anything less than complete sacrifice to the Lord is only partial and is not significant. How come this widow woman was noticed by the Lord? It's because she gave all that she had to him. And I believe that's the key of sacrifice also. And that leads to the thought of service. Our service to the Lord is essential. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus told us this. 
He is faithful, and he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Who knows what lesson is taught in the Sunday school hour is going to make a significant difference in the lives of somebody else. Who knows what a little note will do to some person who's going through a trial. Who knows what a, what a sermon might have an effect upon somebody. Who knows what a word of kindness might do to someone who's struggling a little time. Who knows what a little bit of serving the Lord will do to be an encouragement to others. For years, I've kept what I call an encouragement file. I don't know, somebody came up with that years ago, and I thought, well, that's a great idea. So anytime I got a nice note, a kind note, I put it in the encouragement file. If it was not a kind note, I threw it away. I don't want to keep those. And I do that because it's a help to me sometimes when you go through trials just to know that somebody at one time or another thought enough of you to write a little note of encouragement. And so it's interesting to go through that sometimes, and I do. I just this week went through a little bit, tried to clean out an area of my desk, and and I came across that encouragement file, and I started looking at some of it and had some sweet memories. Now those people have long forgotten that they even wrote a note. Some of them may have changed their mind by now. <laughs> but the fact is, is that time was kept was an encouragement to me. And we can be a help to people just by seeking to serve. We're heading in a time right now. We don't know what's coming. I appreciate one of our deacons said to me, Brother, if, I've got, if you've got any people that need a little help this week, let me know. I, I've got some time to help. There may be some people that are uh, kept in their home. They can't get out. Uh, there may be, that may be coming. We ought to have a heart to want to serve, want to help. Yes, I know you can call Grubhub and get anything from the, but they may need to go to the grocery store. They can't, they're just quarantined in their home. They, they can't leave. Well, some of us could help that. We could be an encouragement. We could be a help. I trust that we'll be sensitive to the needs of others during the time when there's going to be maybe some additional needs. I, I don't think that's insignificant. It may be a small thing to you. It may be a small thing, but it, it may make a difference in someone's heart just to know that somebody else cared enough about them to help them out. Certainly our suffering is significant. Our sacrifice is essentially significant. When it's given to the Lord, our service uh, is significant. And I would tell you that our soul is significant. And I didn't just put that down to keep all alliteration, but the fact is, is the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? See, the significance of our life is really not what the world thinks it is, but it's what we've given to Jesus, what, we ha what, what he has. It's what he can use. It depends on what percent. He, like, he works in percentages. So somebody says, well, I'll give him half. That's 50%. That's, that's good. That's above the tithe. But the Lord really, I believe, deserves all of our, of our, uh, our heart to him. When the parable of the talents was given by Jesus... He told us that there was, when the uh, owner of the vineyard left, he, he left one, one of his workers with five talents, and another one he left with two talents, and another one he left with one talent. You know the story, I won't go back over it, but the one that had the five talents earned another five talents. The one that had the two talents earned another two talents, and the one that earned one just hit it and, and gave it back to the Lord. You'll know that both the five-talent person and the two-talent person both got the same reward. Remember that? Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful a few things, I'll make you rule over many things. The point is this. It doesn't matter what somebody else does or how much someone else does. It doesn't matter how much someone else gives. It matters what we give based on what we can. 
It matters on how we serve based on what we're able to serve. Nobody can do everything, and nobody can do anything everybody else is doing, and it's not the point. The point is whether we're doing what God would have us to do. So it's significant when it's given to Jesus. I'm glad I can live a significant life. Uh, the world may not know anything about me, but I have the privilege of serving Jesus. And I'm glad for that today because that gives me a reason to understand that I have a significance. I don't care what the world thinks because the world <laughs> didn't care, think much of Jesus either. I am concerned what Jesus thinks, and I want to please him. Let me give you one other thought before I close tonight, and that is one, another thing that's significant is our sin. <clears throat> I think I've been made more aware recently, maybe more than anything else, about the effect of even a small amount of sin in our life. In Isaiah 59 and verse 2, the Bible says, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Let me remind you that there's no such thing as a little sin. I, I fear, really, for our, our young people. I fear, really, for, for the world we live in. It's, a, it's getting to be a very dirty world. Openly so. There was, not a, time, there was a time in my life when, when probably uh, the things that, well, certainly, the things that teenagers, young people are exposed to today are so many more times, uh, I think, destructive than what we were exposed to. Yeah, I know, you know, people would smoke behind the barn and do things like that. But, I mean, it, it's terrible what, what's happening today. On a, just on a smartphone, you can see all kinds of filthy images almost without even trying. And somehow we don't understand the damage of that, but it's a terrible thing. Because what it does is it sets an appetite for things that are wrong when a child is young. And the devil knows that. And that's why he attempts them so much in the young. Men have the problems. Ladies, too. We have difficulties. Just in our, in our thought life, uh, the Bible talks about if, if a man looks on a woman lusts after her in his heart, he's committed adultery already in his heart. That's a fantasizing, and, and God's against that. We say, oh, nobody knows about that. Well, it, it's like mental pornography. You, 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 you can't let it happen and still be godly and holy. It's a little sin maybe, but it's a sin that will destroy you eventually. So we realize that's throughout Scripture. Samson was just disobedient to his parents. He just told his dad, I want, I want this woman to be my wife. He said, no, no, son, you don't want her. She's a Philistine woman. No, he says, you get her for me to wife. Well, Samson had no idea where that was going, but Samson ended up with his eyes being poked, poked out, uh, grinding in a mill as a slave to the enemies of God and had to commit suicide just to get, get, his, get his vengeance. Now, you talk about a little sin. You say, well, I, I disobey my parents sometimes. They don't always know it, but I want to tell you, that's the beginning of a big problem in your life until you learn to obey just because they are your parents. So first of all, disobedience. Adam and Eve sinned just one little thing. They just ate a fruit that they weren't to eat. Just one fruit. And all the, that was just the one thing they did. But their, their single sin caused them to be removed from the Garden of Eden and brought upon the entire race a lifetime of sorrow and woe. And what we're doing right now is we're reaping the benefit or reaping the, the results of what Adam and Eve did in that one little sin that caused all the problems. And nice as fire, I mentioned earlier, all they did was conspire together to keep back part of the price. They gave a lot of what they had sold the lamb for, but they decided they were going to keep back some for themselves and pretend they gave it all. So they just lied to the Holy Spirit. I wonder how many times we try to lie to the Holy Spirit, thinking it's nothing because Holy Spirit, you don't see him. No, it's a sin, and there's no such thing as a little sin. See, the problem is sin 
by its very nature, has to go somewhere. It has to grow. And we're never quite satisfied with one little sin. Not, not satisfied with a little lie or a little pornography or a little something that just keeps taking over and taking over. I don't know what was in Achan's mind after he had been warned that that entire city of Jericho belonged to the Lord. It was sanctified under the Lord. I don't know what was in his mind, but he saw something that he wanted. Babylonian garment, wedge of silver. And so he coveted them, even though they belonged to the Lord, and he took them and brought great harm to him and his family as they were all killed and then burnt because of their disobedience to God. It was just a little sin, just a little garment, a little wedge of gold after all the city, just that one little thing. God says there's no little sins with me. What I'm saying is there are some things that seem insignificant. Our suffering, our sacrifice, maybe that little bit we get, are able to give may not seem like much. I don't know how the church can operate on this. That's not the point. The point is God is watching. Our service for the Lord, the little things we do. I People have been such encouragement to me because they, they step forward, they see a job, and they, could I do that? Oh, yeah, great, I appreciate that. And I, the little things, God notices that. And they become significant because they've done it for the Lord. They're doing it for the Lord. But I'm concerned tonight about those little sins that we kind of, in our minds, justify because they're small. Or maybe our parents don't know. Maybe we don't even think God knows, but he does. And I'm not talking just to teenagers. I'm talking about all of us. We cannot allow sin to find its place in our hearts and expect God to bless personally or corporately as a church. We need to be right with the God. So Jesus said, things that you might think are insignificant really are significant. The little widow woman, treasure, the offering is an example of that. But so is the things that we do in life. I challenge us tonight as a church. May God help us to be right and pure inside and out. May he be pleased to bless us because we've walked with him and we please him, live to please him. I want you to pray with me, please. Father.